Spring is here and baseball is back. You can't forget the Derby. I love the hats. Do you have yours yet? My hat? I treated myself to a whole outfit. If you want to be able to treat yourself, then you should check out the Nest Savings Account at LGE Community Credit Union, where they want you to reach your savings goals faster. Take it from a pair of 680 The Fan wives. Head to lgeccu.org to find out what makes their team number one in Georgia. Six. Welcome to the 643 Podcast, episode two of the new season. Glad to be along here with you guys. As always, you know you can hear me doing the Front Rose Audio Fun Bags on 680 The Fan, 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. That's where I'll be tonight. Uh, starting March 25th, we'll get the 643 show back up and running on Saturday mornings. So that when you get up on Saturday, you'll have some baseball news. Uh, somebody who's just going to run around and talk about whatever's happening in baseball with you guys. So that'll be uh, Saturday, March 25th, starting 9 to 11, same as last year. But we all know what I said Tuesday, how about how excited I was to uh, see Ian Anderson and see what he could do after adding the slider to his repertoire, uh, seeing how he would look at first. And well, <laughs> funny story, uh, didn't go so well as we saw. Now, I prefaced this last night on the, uh, on the fun bag that uh, it's important to note, first time in spring training, first time through, obviously no need to panic yet. But if you are a Braves fan who's prone to panicking or looking for a reason to panic, um, early returns on the fifth starter spot in the rotation not going so well. After Bryce Elder got blown up uh, in his first start, Ian Anderson gets blown up even worse, gets pulled out of the game twice. Um, I think he officially made it an inning and a third, if that. But he got pulled through the. He got pulled before the first inning was over. Got put back into the game. Gave up two home runs. One to. Uh, now he's from Canada, so I think it might be pronounced Edouard Julien or Julien. I don't know. Uh, it's spring training, so I, as much as I love you, Ben, I can't trust. Uh, can't trust that pronunciation. No shame there. That dude can rake. He's also just think similar to Jose Miranda. He, he's he's a full on fantastic player. Uh, second one, though, was a home run given up to Willie Castro, who came up and had like some bright moments for Detroit, but not exactly a uh, top-quality player. That was on a hanging breaking ball. I was excited to see the slider. Now, if you just looked at what they classified as on like game day or something like that, you would, you would think that he didn't throw any sliders. That's not the case. A lot of times when a pitcher has a new pitch, it gets classified as whatever his old pitch was. So, in the case of Ian Anderson, he did throw his slider at least a couple times, uh, and it just got qualified as the curveball. The home run that he gave up to Willie Castro was actually off of the slider, just kind of a hanger, that kind of cement mixer right in the middle of the zone. And, you know, you know what they say about slider, hang it, they bang it. And uh, that's to be expected. It's first pitch. Um, again, way too early to freak out on Ian Anderson, but um, definitely... 
not the type of start that you wanted to get if you're Ian Anderson. Fastball command wasn't there. Uh, when if the fastball command's not there, then it means the changeup's not going to play. It means the other breaking pitches aren't going to play. And this is one of the things with Ian. I don't know what it is about him, but he does seem to struggle to throw his fastball in the zone high enough. Like there is obviously you don't want to throw it so high that it's not in the strike zone, but you also don't want to, if you're going for top of the zone, you got to be careful to hit your mark too. You don't want it to go from where you're trying to get it right at somebody's navel. You don't want it to then be right about thigh high because that's going to go a long way, especially if you're not a guy that's got 100 in the tank. And Ian, you know, those 94, 93, 94, 95, which is fine. I mean, 10 years ago, that would have been considered pretty good velocity. Nowadays, it's pretty average. But if you don't have that high spin rate on the fastball and it doesn't have that perceived rising action and it just looks kind of like a normal everyday fastball, hitters are going to be able to adjust to that and tune into it pretty quickly. So for Ian... If he's not going to be able to locate up high the way that he typically wants to do or the way that he has in the past, then he might need to set his sights a little bit low or almost pitch a little bit more old school. That's something that you don't really see very much because you're not going to get a lot of strikeouts if you're low in the zone. And there are a lot of hitters these days that are gearing themselves up to hit pitches low in the zone. Just the way that baseball is cyclical. In the 90s, the name of the game was low and outside try to hit everything low and outside and the hitter's not going to be able to do much but beat it into the ground and you'll be good hitters have adjusted and brand new styles of swinging to to try to take advantage of low pitches and be able to loft low pitches and drive them out of the ballpark and because of that now they struggle with high pitches now if you've got a low spin fastball the good news on that is, is it will drop a little bit more than those those high spin rate ones which means if you can get it at the, at the bottom end of the zone it drops out of the zone it's de facto a sinker without the without the slight horizontal movement of a sinker or anything like that. But it can it can be a nice way to earn yourself some ground balls. And for Ian, again, I'm not freaking out, so I'm not going to say this for certain. But if he continues struggling with the way that he currently throws, you might need to consider, if you're Ian Anderson, maybe kind of turning into more of a ground ball pitcher. If you're not going to be able to consistently get the swings and misses to be a strikeout guy, then you don't want to give up fly balls. Being a fly ball pitcher, especially in today's climate, is really not a great thing unless you have the strikeout potential to offset that. If you're giving up a lot of contact and you're giving up a lot of fly balls, you turn into Julio Tehran very quickly. And again, I'll keep reiterating this. One start through, not going to freak out. There's plenty of time for Ian to figure this stuff out and be right as rain and good to go by the time the season starts. It's just the first time through. Ditto for Bryce Elder, who's kind of got the same thing, where for Bryce Elder, it's going to be about command. Don't leave your pitches in the middle of the zone because his, his are going to get hit a long way if he leaves them in the middle of the zone. He doesn't have the stuff to get away with those types of mistakes. But again, they're, they're learning. They're getting into to game shape. So by the time we're, by the time we get to the end of March... If they're still getting hit around, now it's an issue. Not the least of which is because there's not really any starters that you can go to on the free agent market that are worth anything right now. You'd have to be, uh, whether you decide to pull Dylan Dodd and let him go right away, whether you go with Jared Schuster, uh, Darius Vines, or one of these others, or even just kind of go by committee and go bullpen game for the fifth game out. Mm -hmm. 
the one player that's helped the most by this probably is a pitcher that hasn't gotten any pitching action, and we don't know when he's going to, and that's that's Mike Soroka. And the issues with Soroka not being able to throw right away and not be on the same plane as everybody else is it gives or it gave Ian and Elder a chance to get a leg up on him. Unfortunately, it seems to have gone the other way, um, where at least through the first starts, they are they have dropped, not uh, not risen. That does throw a monkey wrench into my plan to getting Anthony Santander, but uh, if you are Mike Soroka, I mean, you don't ever want this to be the good news, but it is good news for a guy who's trying to get back on the mound and win his fifth starter spot and go back to being the Mike Soroka that we saw who looked like he was going to be the next great young pitcher in the game. I don't know if I've tempered expectations for, a, for Soroka long term. I probably should. But I am a, I am uh, at heart just a Braves fan like all of you. And uh, I don't want to do that for Soroka. I want to believe that Soroka is going to come back and be the Mike Soroka that we saw in 2019. I want to believe in my heart of hearts that Soroka is going to be the guy that we all looked at and thought, hey, that's the anchor of our rotation. Before it was Max Fried, it was Mike Soroka. Uh, I'm hoping that we can see him in some action soon. He's been throwing in camp, not off the mound that I've seen, but he, he's at least been able to throw flat ground. The hamstring issue didn't linger, just something that he had said that he was worried about because hamstrings are finicky. They can linger on you. Uh, and it's just one of those things where I don't know what the issue with Mike's body is. I really don't. He, he's big guy. He's all tuned up. You'd figure that he'd be fine, but just seems to continuously get some of these unlucky injuries. And, it's not that uncommon. Max Fried has dealt with that at different points of his career, just unlucky injuries. But it is one of those things where if you are Soroka and you've been working on new mechanics this offseason and some new ways of throwing, you want to be able to get mound work against competitors and, and show the team what you can do. I don't know when Mike is supposed to get his first action in spring training. It's not going to be today. Today, you're going to see Colby Allard go, which also should mean you're going to get to Dylan Dodd again today, which obviously if Dylan Dodd is throwing, I'm going to be watching or listening. Because I'm a, you guys know I'm a gigantic Dylan Dodd fan. I, I, I really think that he is fantastic. I think he's going to be a mainstay in the rotation for years to come. He could even, if, if the fifth starter spot doesn't solidify itself this year and they end up going the same route they were a season ago, you might see Dylan Dodd moved up on the timetable. And I, I am fully on board the Dylan Dodd train. That high spin fastball plays. He's 93 to 96 when he was a lot more 94 and 95 in his first outing, his first action. When he got drafted, he was kind of thought to be 91, 92, which high enough spin, it can still work. See Nestor Cortez of the Yankees. But 95, 96, that'll play up in the zone all day with those spin rates. He's got a little bit of deception to his delivery, but it's very repeatable, very mechanically sound. And that fastball playing so well makes that changeup, which is already really good. It makes it even nastier. He's got a pretty decent slider to go with it. It's a similar profile to Jared Schuster and a similar profile to what you were looking at with Kyle Muller and Tucker Davidson. He's not as big as Kyle Muller. Kyle's a giant human being, uh, and he doesn't have 100 in the tank. Like Kyle Muller, if he really wants to ramp up, could throw 97 to 100. It's similar in profile to Tucker, but again, without the 100 miles an hour if he really decides to ramp it up. But what Dylan Dodd is, he's a much more clean command profile. 
and that makes it so much better. Everything you love about Tucker, uh, everything you liked about Kyle Muller, everything the Braves envisioned about Jared Schuster when they took him out of Wake Forest. Dylan Dodd has kind of looked to me, anyway, like the guy that has all of that stuff, but he can throw strikes consistently, unlike Tucker and Kyle to this point in their big league careers. And he can actually, his fastball is actually a great pitch, unlike Schuster, where the four seam is not a good pitch for him. For, for Schuster, it's all about getting to the changeup. And by the way, Schuster is certainly a guy that's starting to get run in prospect circles, and he could very well get the call up. He, he is a guy, don't, don't doubt how good Jared Schuster can be. Now, the fastball is probably the weakest of his three pitches, but if it's good enough to get him to the changeup and the slider, then that's all that really matters. Darius Vines. This is another guy you should be paying really close attention to. There's a lot of talk about Schuster and his changeup because a lot of people thought that Schuster's changeup was the best in the draft class. Darius Vines has the best changeup in the system. It just falls off a table, and it is one of those pitches. And again, kind of the same thing as Schuster, only from the right side, where the fastball's not great. Uh, it's kind of 92, 93. It's not, uh, it's not a, a super high spin fastball. It can get hit around a little bit. But that changeup from Darius Vines is a thing of beauty. And he's got a good slider, too. So you know he's got a good feel for spin. That's another guy in the 40. It's another guy that if you need somebody to make starts, probably going to see him make at least one start this year. Again, you don't ever go through a season with only five guys making starts. Typically, it's going to be closer to eight or nine, maybe even ten guys that make starts for you throughout the season. So there's a lot of arms to watch for the Braves. Not the least of which is the bullpen, which I was on uh, Fayetteville, Arkansas station uh, earlier this morning, uh, just talking some Braves baseball, and I had said that despite how good this lineup is, and I think this lineup is one of the deepest in the game, I think it's going to be one of the best run-producing lineups in the game, I think the bullpen is the best area of this team, and that's not a knock on the lineup, it's not a knock on the starting rotation, that's how good I think this bullpen is. I think it's an upgrade, replacing Kenley Jansen with Joe Jimenez, and Bryce Iglesias steps into the closer role, Minter and Jimenez are going to be the setup men. You've got uh, a really good battle that's forming where you've got one, maybe two spots in the bullpen, and you've got a couple of really intriguing arms that are battling for that. We know that you're going to have, we know that you're going to have Rysel. We know that you're going to have Minter. We know that you're going to have Jimenez. Colin McHugh is for sure in there. Uh, Dylan Lee, he's for sure going to be in there. You started looking around Lucas Litke, I would imagine, Although they didn't give up a ton to get Licky, but Licky's a, a really good reliever. I would imagine he's in there, which doesn't leave a ton of spots open. And competing for those roles, you've got in some form or fashion, Jesse Chavez, who I'm never, ever going to doubt he's going to make a Braves bullpen. And Jesse, in his first action, <laughs> looks lights out. It's, it's, it's really incredible what happens when Jesse Chavez puts on a Braves uniform versus anybody else's uniform. He cannot pitch for anybody besides the Braves, but you put him on the Braves and people just can't touch him. It's, it's hilarious. It's wild. And it makes him maybe the most Atlanta player of all the Atlanta players. Um, Nick Anderson, who got his first action of spring yesterday, who if he stays healthy, Nick Anderson's making this bullpen. He's a guy that when he was pitching for the Marlins was absolutely lights out got traded to the Rays for Jesus Sanchez couldn't stay healthy with the Rays now he's on a split contract with the Braves he doesn't throw 99 anymore now he's more 94 95 ish but he's a big guy fastball again plays up in the zone gets his swing and misses if he can stay healthy which is always the question with him 
Health is the issue. If he's healthy, he's in this bullpen. He's going to do great work. I think there's quite a few. Victor Vodnik's getting some looks. I don't know if he's quite going to make it. I think the bullpen, there's just so many different guys to put in that bullpen. It's really hard to win a spot in this bullpen. And that's a good thing, ultimately. This is one of those things that Alex has mentioned pretty much every single offseason. The bullpen is always a focus for him. Because while bullpens are the most variable, you can't count on them one year to another. Having a great bullpen is such a luxury. It's such a useful tool for teams. Because you're not going to get seven innings out of every starter every time out. If you have a bullpen that can be shut down with pretty much any of the guys in that pen, then you can shorten the games. If your starter is only able to get through five, but you've got five or six shutdown members in the bullpen, that's fantastic. That means you don't have to worry. So you don't have to throw A.J. Minter back-to-back days because you've got Dylan Lee, because you've got Lucas Lickie, because you've got Joe Jimenez and Colin McHugh and all these other arms. They're all guys that are capable of going multiple innings as well. It's a real boon. It's a, it's, a, it's a real plus for the Braves. And there are a few other teams that have really, really good bullpens. The Mariners' bullpen is fantastic. Matt Brash is a stud. Uh, Penn Murphy has a ridiculous slider. Uh, the Astros' bullpen is outstanding as well. But as far as the National League goes, the Braves have pretty easily the best bullpen around, in my opinion. Phillies have some good guys. I don't think Kimbrel's. I, I wouldn't have gone in on Kimbrel. The Mets have obviously they have Edwin Diaz, and that's outstanding. Adam Ottavino can be really good, but as far as the depth, the depth and the overall talent, I don't know. If there's another team in baseball that can boast what the Braves have. That's a great thing. You're going to need that. You're going to need that no matter how it shakes out with the rotation. Uh, I, I think this Braves team is going to surprise some people. Vaughn Grissom has been crushing it through the first week of spring training. He's got an OPS over 1,200. haven't seen him get a first dinger yet, but what you have seen him do is just spray in liners all over the place, get a double into the right center field gap, which is in line with what Chipper was talking about the plan for Vaughn Grissom was, which was up the middle away and then hit your home runs on hang and breaking balls. And if that's the case, it'll dampen his home run numbers probably. He'll be probably closer to that 16-18 mark, then he will be to you know 25 home run type. But I think it'll work out better for Vaughn, and I think it'll work out just as well for the Braves. If that's his approach, it's going to be on base a lot. And I think for a guy like Vaughn, this early in his career, in this lineup in particular, he's going to be batting ninth. Get on base as much as possible. Run around a little bit. He's got good speed. He's got good base running acumen. But put him on base in front of... Ronald Acuna in front of Michael Harris. Let those two drive him around. Let those two hit him in. This is going to be fantastic. As long as he's on base in front of those guys, the top of the order is going to be driving in a ton of runs. And it's not going to be just reliant on, you know, Ronald Michael Harris getting on. It'll be at, from the bottom of that, too. Eddie Rosario had some great swings. But I'm always keyed in on Vaughn. Um, you guys know I'm a gigantic Vaughn Grissom fan. He's made all the plays at shortstop, too. Now, again, hasn't really gotten any incredibly tough plays. But this is, this is the thing that people don't internalize enough when it comes to playing a defensive shortstop. The routine plays are the plays you're going to get 90-plus percent of the time. Those are the plays that you have to make. Being able to range and make the crazy athletic play, like that's fantastic, and don't get me wrong. I'm a defensive guy at heart. I love watching a shortstop with range and a crazy strong arm. 
I love watching. Like Angelton Simmons is one of my favorite players of all time to watch just because that defense is just special, special. In my opinion, he's the best defensive player of all time. And numbers back that up. But those are not the norm. And if you aren't a guy with crazy range, you can offset that as long as you just don't screw up the routine. Before last season, when Dansby's defense really jumped, that was kind of Dansby's calling card. Was He wasn't the rangiest. He wasn't the overall best defender at the position. But he didn't make errors on routine plays. He made all the routine plays, and it, it resulted, and this was true for all of the Braves' defense, especially the infield defense. And what it resulted in was a, a team that did not make errors. They made their routine plays, and it made the game that much easier and go that much quicker and easier for the starters. So as long as Vaughn can make the routine play, he's going to be fine defensively at short. I don't have any questions he's going to hit. Depends on what level of hitter he's going to be, but I think he's going to surprise a lot of people. I keep saying Xander Bogarts. I'm going to stick with that. Now, speaking of Dansby Swanson, the former shortstop of the Atlanta Braves, he's made a lot of people very unhappy, uh, myself included. And this is something I talked about this yesterday on uh, on Front Rose Audio Fun Bag. You see this from a lot of players when they go to a new city, a new team. They praise the city they're in, obviously, as they should. That's where they're going to be playing for the foreseeable future. But it comes at the expense of the place that they just left. And this is a mistake that you, you just hate to see from anybody. It's also irritating the track he took on this little shot. Now, and I don't know if he meant it as a shot or if he just meant it as more pro-Chicago than he did anti-Atlanta. But Atlanta fans are upset at Dansby because... One of the things he said, and he said this one, he said it to Bob Nightingale, which is going to set Braves Twitter off anyway, because Nightingale's a joke. Um, probably the worst baseball reporter around. Um, but he said that Chicago, professional sports are a, quote, massive deal. And in Atlanta, pro sports are just kind of a deal. Which is going to make a lot of people very angry, myself included, because this is something that Atlanta gets saddled with by saying that Atlanta's a bad fan base, that Atlanta doesn't support their teams, which is just not true. It used to be true, sure. But especially Braves fans, like the reason why this irritates a lot of Braves fans is Braves fans take a lot of pride in how rabid we are as a fan base now because it wasn't always that way, especially going through the years of the rebuild. But if you go, if you go back to probably around 2017-ish, 2018-ish, right when we could all kind of tell the rebuild was coming to an end. Braves fans have been as good or better than everyone at showing up, especially, especially since 2021. And I mean the start of 2021, not just when the Braves looked like they were going to win the World Series, but they were a great attendance team in 2019 as well. This fan base shows up and shows out. By the way, much more than the Cubs have done. Now you can say, well, the Cubs are bad. That's kind of my point. Don't say the Cubs fan base is just better. If they're a better fan base, they'd show up and they'd put their money where their mouth is. Don't tell me TV numbers either. Again, who watches you on TV? And by the way, if you're the Cubs, they're on during the day, every day, and they basically have their own channel. Don't tell me about TV numbers. 
Tell me about who is spending money to go see them. The Braves are making bank over $500 million last year at Truist Park alone. And if you want to say, well, it's professional sports. No, what you mean is Chicago shows up more for basketball because the Bears get no attendance. They were one of the worst in the league as far as attendance numbers go. The Falcons put way more fans in attendance than the Bears did. You can say, well, you know, half of those people show them to the Falcons games. They're really rooting for the other team. As opposed to nobody showing up for Bears games because they're a terrible team and you don't want to watch them. So this idea of just Chicago being a better sports town, that's such an outdated thing. Cool, they show up to more NBA games. Fantastic. There's other professional sports. And as a baseball player or somebody that, that you know, baseball is my favorite sport, I don't care how many basketball fans you put in to the stadium. Baseball's number one. Football's number two. Basketball's number three. And if this is a case of, well, you know, more Georgia fans care about the University of Georgia than they care about their professional teams. So what? Chicago has plenty of college teams, too. Guess what? None of them matter. That sucks for them. This idea that they're just one of the best fan bases around rather than just one of the oldest fan bases around, it's not borne out by numbers. It's about time Atlanta gets their respect. And the problem here, there's some people that say, why you get upset, it's not a big deal. The problem here, one, it's irritating because it's not true. And Atlanta fans have worked very hard to erase that perception. But the part that makes it more annoying is Dansby was part of this club when that turned. Like, he's been part of this club from when they weren't showing up to when Braves fans turned into one of the top fan bases in baseball. He commented on it in the postseason, by the way, about how crazy it was, about how much all the Braves fans were showing up. In 2021, when the Braves were on their way to the World Series, and they were in the World Series, you were seeing the MLB Network guys outside of Truist Park and how ridiculous it was. And you hear them saying, this is the craziest atmosphere I've ever been in. Braves fans take a lot of pride in that. And it just kind of glossed over and say, yeah, well, you know, it's it's the Cubs, man. It's Wrigley. It's different. The fan base here is just different. Slap in the face to everything that, that Braves fans thought that they were turning around, that their players understood, and that their players were right alongside them. And this is this is part of my larger point here, is this is not in the same stratosphere as losing Freddie Freeman. Not even just how good the players are. Freddie, by the way, much better player. Even in even last season, Dansby's best season in you know, what might have been the best season for a, a Brave shortstop ever. It might have been the most valuable season of any Brave shortstop in the history of the Braves. Freddie still smoked him. And this was a Freddie that was despondent for the first month and a half, two months of the season because he didn't want to be in LA. Made no bones about it. We all remember what it was like when he came back to Atlanta. Now, I'm not like Hoyt and Chernoff and the guys on Chuck and Chernoff who are going to make fun of Freddie for crying. You know, Freddie was a gigantic part of the city. He was a gigantic part of this team. And he cared about the city. He cared about the fans. And he wanted to stay in Atlanta. And everybody knew it to the point that Clayton Kershaw, acting like a jealous girlfriend, uh, you know, we're, we're pretty great too. And shut up. It's not your moment, Clayton. Freddie didn't care. Like, Freddie wanted to be a brave. He didn't want to be a Dodger. That was The Dodgers were his consolation prize. It's not the same feeling with Dansby, and it, it shouldn't be. 
Dansby was never that guy. He was never the same as Freddie. And if you read that piece, he talks about ego and thinking that he was, you know, the star of the show, that he was the team leader, and that everybody came to him for everything, and there was no way the Braves would let him walk. But, like, that wasn't backed up by performance other than 2022. And, again, I'm not going to knock him for 2022. It was an amazing year for him. But if you want to be the franchise guy, and you can say some guys look at it and, and just kind of look at it as a job. They don't get too caught up in particular teams, and, and that's fine. I'm not knocking that if that's your game. But in my franchise guy, there should be an emotional attachment to a team, to a city. If you're going to start a brand called True to Atlanta, if you're going to have billboards talking about how true you are to your hometown, like don't tell me that you went to Chicago because you want to win ball games. Chicago's not going to win more games than Atlanta for at least the next four or five years, maybe even longer, because I don't see any signs that Alex Anthopoulos is going to fall off. But in best-case scenario, you're looking five years down the line for Chicago's anywhere near close to Atlanta. They still don't have any pitching to speak of. No, they got some decent prospects. I really like Nico Horner. I love Matt Mervis. But they're not exactly a supremely built ball club. You, you went there because they offered you $177 million. $77 million more than the Braves did, which is fine. I'm not knocking you for that. I'm not turning down $77 million, no matter how much I love a team. But you don't have to mention Atlanta at all. You could just talk about how much you love Chicago, the family tie-in there, and leave it at that. You don't even have to mention Atlanta. And if you do, you could say, I love my time in Atlanta, but I'm really excited to start this new chapter. I'm really excited to play for such a storied franchise as Chicago. I'm looking forward to this season. That's all you have to say. And Dansby's a smart guy. He knows what he said. He's been in front of the camera a lot over the course of his career because there was a push to make him the franchise guy. Don't, don't put him in the same category as Freddie. I won't stand for that. It also goes to show you how annoyed I get when people just rag on Freddie for how emotional he was. That's how my franchise guy should feel about the city, about the team, that he was the guy of, that was his team that he grew up with and grew up on. I have all the respect in the world for Freddie. I don't have that same respect for Dansby, and neither does Gucci. Neither does Gucci, as you can clearly hear. But I, I don't have that same respect for Dansby. And I'm, you know, you know me, guys. I'm very open. I don't... Uh, I don't hide my, my thoughts and feelings very well. And, and any of you, a lot of you guys have followed me around for years on here. You know, I've never been the biggest Dancy Swanson guy. But even just taking that out of it, that's just, that's just a, not a smart move by a guy that is typically pretty smart and pretty careful with his words. Now, I'm sure he's going to have a fine season with the Cubs. I don't wish him any ill will. He's not my shortstop anymore, which is fine. This is one of those clean breaks for me that just... It's not going to hurt me. I'm perfectly comfortable with Vaughn Grissom. But there are a lot of people that were gigantic Dansby fans that read that, felt a little betrayed. It's not like we haven't heard that talk before, but you don't expect to hear that talk from your guy. You don't expect to hear that talk from somebody that we put on billboards the minute that we traded for him before he ever played an inning at the big league level. A guy that went out front talked about how amazing the Braves fan base was and a guy that's from this town. Atlanta fans, Braves fans in particular, we're sick and tired of hearing about how we're a second-rate fan base. And by the way, John Kincaid in Philadelphia, 
I don't need to hear anything from Philadelphia people. You guys are consistently... If there's one thing Philly fans are consistent at, it's being at the middle of the pack and showing up to ball games or being at the very bottom end. You want to find a Philly team that put more fans in attendance than the Braves? You got to go all the way back to 2014, which means go look up that 2015 roster of Atlanta Braves. That team got more support than the Phillies. So I don't need to hear from anybody from Philadelphia. All right. We're going to see Colby Aller today, as I mentioned. Probably get to see Dylan Dodd and Darius Fines. That's the ones I really want to watch. Um, again, too early to freak out about much in spring training. We'll keep it going, and we'll see how things turn out as we get closer to the end of March. The WBC starts getting up and at them here pretty soon. Um, actually, it should start here in, like, next week, if not if not this back into this week, this weekend, um, which is going to be fun for a lot of players. It's going to be a lot of fun for me. I'm, gonna, I'm really going to follow the WBC this year. There's a lot of players worth watching from a whole host of different teams. Roki Sasaki from Japan, I think, is going to be uh, everybody's favorite player to watch. Obviously, I want to see how Ronald does with Team Venezuela. I want to see this Dominican team, which is basically a super team from the NBA if you just collected them and put them in baseball. It's really incredible. Uh, a lot of guys to watch, a lot of guys who are really excited to be playing for their home countries, and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. So thank you guys for tuning in. It's going to do it for me. Again, I'll be on uh, I'll be on the Front Rose Audio Fun Bag 6 to 8 tonight, uh, so make sure you tune in and catch it up. And again, 643 is going to go back to our Saturday shows on March 25th. Can't wait to get that back up and running. It'll mean the start of the 2023 baseball season. But that's going to do it for me, folks. Thank you guys for tuning in. Appreciate you, and we will be back on Tuesday here for the 643 Podcast. That's all, folks. Spring is here and baseball is back. You can't forget the Derby. I love the hats. Do you have yours yet? My hat? I treated myself to a whole outfit. If you want to be able to treat yourself, then you should check out the Nest Savings Account at LGE Community Credit Union, where they want you to reach your savings goals faster. Take it from a pair of 680 The Fan Wives. Head to lgeccu.org to find out what makes their team number one in Georgia. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. The fan is ready for brave season. Are you? 3-1 smoked high in the air, deep center field, and heading for the horizon. A home run by Olsen. We're streaming every game of the Braves 2024 season free on the 680 The Fan app. So make sure you download it now and don't miss a pitch of the Braves this season.